Welcome to the Cloudwire podcast, a place for conversations around cloud financial management. Good afternoon, Tony. How are you doing? Good afternoon, folks. Doing great. Thanks. Tony, thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to introduce yourself a little bit, uh, we'd like to have a little bit of a conversation around cloud financial management and how um, CFM uh, capacities around reservation management, showback, chargeback, spot usage, uh, waste management, and and maybe app modernization. Your experience around that and what you're seeing in the industry, and would love to get your uh, get your vision and thoughts around it and, and share that with others. Absolutely. Perfect. To kick the conversation off, uh, Tony, uh, would love to hear on showback and chargeback and some of the complexities and such that around that surround showback and chargeback and, and how you have approached it and, and what works well at your end. Sure. So starting this journey well over four years ago when we got into the cloud, coming from a very, um, I guess, uh, high volume on-premise in our own data centers and our own co-location facilities, we've always maintained a chargeback um, to applications to show our total cost of ownership back to the application teams. And that's gone down to every last gig that they've consumed, every VM they've consumed, all products and services. So we knew as we got into the cloud and started to see our cloud bills, how will I take um, a six or seven figure invoice and carve that up into the many thousands of pieces that we have. So in getting a, a tool that allowed us to break into our um, cloud bills directly by the consumers uh, was something we knew we need to have very early on. Um, since then, we've taken our bills and been able to carve those up into our individual consumers, including the shared costs or ancillary costs, as I call them, um, into percentage ratios that are equal to what everybody does consume. So it's, it's very important because we, as in all probably organizations, have rogue services that come about. Uh, we need to have accountability for those services. We need to know who actually consumes those. And we've even since put in automation that says if there's not a direct identifier or tag that shows the consumer, we will terminate that particular service. So it's very important to our organization, not so much from a chargeback left pocket to right pocket, but at least having complete accountability for what we're consuming in the cloud and how we can leverage um, whether it's RIs, savings plans, spot instances across those different ones um, and do so without having to inform or impact the end users. But at the bottom line, saving dollars for us. Perfect. Uh, for, for a large complex organization, I'm, I'm guessing that wasn't a trivial thing to manage. So um, any lessons learned that you would like to share? Um, yeah, uh, there's, not a, um, there's not a silver bullet for this. Um, cloud accounting or even you know, cloud financial ops 101, I guess is what it's more likely called today. We've had a lot of lessons learned. Um, that first one being that it can't be one person doing it. Um, the second one being is that you can't really hire folks off the street that can just uh, look at a spreadsheet and determine what are our costs doing? What are they trending towards? Um, so we've had a lot of lessons learned in terms of the biggest one is that accountability for consumption has to be known. It's got to be an inherent discipline from when that service is provisioned. And that really goes along into our, our tagging. Before we really got into that, we had accounting to where we knew what the bill was before we started associating that back to individual consumers. But that's gotta be um, 
you know, kind of first and foremost in terms of our maturity curve and lessons learned. Um, as I said, there is no map to the billing. It is truly a discovery based on the services you have as well as the provider that gives you those reports. Um, the recovery goals are something that we needed to have defined early on. We can show a lot of consumption, but if the consumers don't understand what they're consuming, how they're consuming it, where they have waste, um, it doesn't do any good to show somebody a report that has, um, you know, 50 or 100,000 lines or rows of data on an Excel spreadsheet. But that discovery, one of the things we've found over the years is that waste is everywhere. It's unintentional, um, but it does exist. And until you have someone in the financial ops, as well as kind of the, the cloud ops of financing, no one knows that that waste is there. It's one thing to say how much waste you have, which a lot of times the vendors will come out and say, here's your waste, but they don't tell you how to recover for it where to go, what is the next step. That's been nice in having the tools and providers that we've had is they not only outline for us, here is your waste factor, but here are the things that you can do. Here are the levers you can pull to reduce that waste. Monitoring is a daily activity when it comes to cloud operations. And what I mean by that is we've had rogue services. We've had Lambda scripts that have generated $40,000 a day. Um, and it's helpful to make sure that we're monitoring that and um, know who to contact in order to turn those things off. It's also from a compliance standpoint to understand where I'm building instances, for example, in IaaS that I'm doing under the correct auspice or tenancy. Um, we pay higher degrees for dedicated tenancy, higher unit rate costs. And if I'm building servers that don't require dedicated tenancy, I'm paying a premium but not getting anything out of it, so to speak. So we do monitor on a daily basis for compliance services, for tag services, things like that. Perfect, yeah, I got two more points. Ancillary services are those that are shared amongst everybody. We've got Amazon support costs, VPC costs, several security tools that aren't applicable to one application, but everybody has to share in that. So we've come up with different ways to make sure that we have those costs recovered for in our business as well. But then the final point is that, you know, analytics are a core component of any cloud operations. And if you invest in the right people, you train them correctly, the return on those folks involved in those organizations are, are from what I've seen 10 to 20 times. Perfect, perfect. Uh, so from a showback and chargeback perspective, uh, complicated problem, getting some sunshine on the various parts of the bill for the right organizations to be able to see that sunshine. So the chargeback happens effectively, uh, things that uh, you have invested in quite a bit uh, over the course of last four years and have that system be, be running pretty effectively. Uh, any experiences uh, in that area, Tony, that you would like to highlight? Um, I would say that most people, most application teams that are developing on the cloud or running even production workloads on the cloud don't really know what it is they're, they're truly consuming. So being able to show them the detail really has enlightened people's eyes to go, I didn't know that I was using that service or that I was consuming it to this degree. Um, or that I was running on these particular instances. A lot of times in our organization, we've run on legacy instances. What I mean by legacy is we're running three series or four series where we're incentivized to run on five series and now even today, six series. So we've had to tell people as well as put in kind of the operational or cyclical routines to make sure that we're running current, just like we would on a Windows operating system. Um, we need to make sure that we're always running the latest and greatest because it's not only an advantage from a cost unit perspective, but it's advantage from a performance perspective. So being able to clearly articulate to the consumers, what are they consuming and what are their levers 
um, is very important and it's driven our costs down tremendously. Perfect. Here, here at, at Cloudberry as well, that's one of the reasons why we invested a bunch into distributed cost hygiene and cost variance because of feedback from the customers that, that we have been seeing is getting the right information to the right individual in a timely manner uh, where actionable details are available to them makes all the difference. Uh, and it's, it's not just the details. Uh, when we talk about the details that we have, you're familiar with it, but we get you know, well over 400,000 rows of data that we have to ingest and decipher into meaningful reports that go back to the consumers. Uh, if we were just to throw out all that data, it would, um, it would blind most people. <laughs> uh, indeed, indeed, indeed. Uh, perfect. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Uh, Tony, maybe uh, switching over to reservation management, uh, cloud financial engineering is a, a pretty complex topic. Uh, especially at your scale, that can get uh, quite interesting and daunting. Uh, looking future, looking ahead to the future, there is uh, uncertainty around modernization work that might be planned for, right-sizing work that might be planned for, spot work that might be planned for. Uh, so, which makes the reservation management become uh, both from operational side uh, quite a bit challenging, and then even from uh, planning side, not necessarily that that trivial. Uh, would love to hear your thoughts around it and and how you have solved it. Yeah, um, you know we've been doing reservations for the past really four years. Once we started getting pretty heavy into the cloud, and I think you know we track that. We've had over those past four years almost fourteen million dollars in savings of utilizing reserved instances and saving plans. Um, when we came to the realization, or when I came to the realization that. There were few people within the organization that understood not only what reservations are and how to leverage them, but what quantity should we buy? Where is our high tide and low tides to where I can balance that? It got to a point where as our workloads within IaaS as well as PaaS and SaaS grew, the need for more specific expertise within the RI marketplace, um, savings plans and spots, needs to be more distributed in that I shouldn't have to build a team that is really good at those. It takes a large team to do it and understand it. But if there's a service provider that can do that for us as a service, which is kind of our, our motto is we want everything to be done as a service, we want to leverage that. We've obviously done that with you folks in CloudWire, and, it, and it's been um, an astronomical return in that our RI position has been somewhere in the neighborhood of, at a high point, 45 to 60%. Then as we started getting into our modernization efforts, we realized we needed to mature those RIs, but at the same time, try to sustain them with our changing workflows. With the knowledge that other folks, including yourselves, have brought us, um, having the reservations be a service that you provide, my workload switches and changes don't matter. I'm free to do that without being parked into a corner or painted into a corner and knowing that I can't touch these 100 instances in this subscription, in this availability zone until these RIs mature six, eight, 12 months down the road. So it's very nice to be more flexible in our RI and savings plans utilization and have a company that is um, directly responsible um, and compensated for the savings that we get. It's eliminated me from having a team of 10 to 15 bodies that are just doing analytics all day long. It's a worry that I don't have to have. It's a competency that I don't have to have knowing that I can see the savings month to month and know that I'm getting very valuable return for it. 
Perfect. Thank you, Tony. So this is where being able to get some flexibility uh, of, of being able to reduce your monthly run rate, maybe increase your monthly run rate on reservations as the business changes uh, is, is something that uh, has been a value add to, to you uh, and enabling a higher reservation coverage number to be in place uh, to have the savings today while leaving the hedge in place uh, for any, any acceleration of modernization that may be planned for in the near or even the mid future. Absolutely. You know, we used to have that, that, you know, you always optimize before you can actually go and set reservations and get defined terms for where you're kind of set in place and, and lock-in is a bad term, but that's essentially what it is under the traditional RI models. So having someone manage it for me um, gives me that flexibility to go about upgrading, optimizing, changing instances, what we call right and true sizing um, at our own schedule without having delays. Perfect. And also leaving the room for any kind of modernization efforts and spot initiatives that, that you may have as well and adjusting to those as their timelines are just uh, either accelerated or otherwise. Absolutely. Keep, keep getting the savings on the instances during the time frame. Thank you. Uh, we love saving our customers money <laughs> and reservations is one of the easiest, fastest way to, to get some some dollars in play because there's no operational impact, there's no engineering or app impact. It's mostly financial engineering when done right. Uh, it can it can result in very, very substantial savings. Mm -hmm. Very substantial. Uh, thank you, Tony. Uh, Tony, what are your thoughts on SPOT? And and, and would, would love to hear your, uh, your view on SPOT and any plans you have around SPOT that you, you can share. Yeah, we've used SPOT now for the past three years. We have certain um, Lambda functions and automation scripts that generate spot instances for us to the tune of about anywhere from 80 to 100,000 spot instances per month um, that are provided for different Dynamo backups and, and short bursts of activity. Um, so it's been one that I think we save because we're still using a three series on those. So the market price is very low, but I think it's in upwards of, I almost wanna say 60,000 a month by using spot instances versus on-demand instances. So it's something that we really want to start taking a look at our workloads. Um, we've, we've since adopted schedules for online time, offline time when folks aren't using it. But again, those short bursts are where we can start looking at non-production uh, workloads and putting those on spot out there today. Perfect. Um, and being able to identify which workloads have the highest ROI and which auto-scaling groups may uh, have the most elasticity in them is, is we, we advise our clients on, hey, here is your total portfolio of on-demand and reserved instances, uh, instances on reservations that you have. But uh, even looking at that portfolio, here is a set of assets that can, uh, that can uh, here is a whole bunch of assets that uh, can be transitioned to spot or a high likelihood of transitioning to spot without having any impact on uh, on the usage and utilization patterns. So where is the highest savings for the, the, the least amount of effort is, is something that we love to help our customers with and identify that. And we do that for SWOT as well. Absolutely. Uh, and we look forward to, you know, we, we've established a high degree of credibility with your firm, um, you know, over the last six, eight months of engagement to where when it comes to the optimizations, we've fully rolled out the recommendations. You guys have come up with one heck of a, I will say more mature or a, um, a seasoned set of algorithms that not only tell us kind of the big blunt instrument we used to have, which was I'm running a M5 large, I could be running an M5 medium, 
because of all the different instances that are out there, you've helped us solve the problem of making certain that we don't create problems for application teams that might have a specific type of storage service. If a volume, if a instance is EBS only and we've got um, non-EBS storage that we have to use and retain, we might not be able to reduce that instance size. Or we might have a number of disks that exceeds the next level down or a number of NICs that if we drop down to the next level, we're going to lose functionality because we have more NICs. So you guys and your, your outputs for us to advise us on multiple levels of optimization, I can only imagine it's going to be the same thing with a spot. Exactly, right? So for spot also blending in, hey, for a given instance type that you're current running based on its utilization patterns and the, the application team's needs, what is the portfolio of instances that are uh, a good mix to blend uh, in? So there is the risk of spot being distributed out as well because the more different types of instances you can run against, uh, the, the better the chances that uh, there is not any meaningful downtime uh, with, with spot recombination, uh, as well as uh, uh, running them as auto-scaling groups to make the management and transition of that a lot easier is something that we are helping our customers with. And it's able to identify the highest spot savings with the minimal effort uh, that is needed at the customer's end. Absolutely. goes back to that initial point of billing is a discovery. There isn't a, a map or a silver bullet, but certainly having insight and information that you provide us, it helps us build that map. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, that's actually a perfect segue, Tony, into the right sizing conversation that I think uh, you were alluding to a little bit. Uh, right sizing is not trivial. It seems trivial at surface. Uh, anybody can say, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of opportunity here to go get after. Uh, would love your, your thoughts on right sizing and your experience so far around it and, and how we may or may not have been able to help in that journey. Yeah. Um, you know, again, we've been doing right sizing activities now for the past year and a half, almost two years. Um, I've been talking about right-sizing for well over the three-year mark. And when we first implemented it, it was that um, sledgehammer approach of just taking everybody and knocking them down one level. That's a great way to save 50% of your cost. But we did find that when we were doing that, we got into some caveats, as I talked about, where disk or underlying disks of an instance came into play when we downsized them, or NICs, or number of disks, things like that. So. Um, since our inception with, with Cloud Wiry, uh, we've had that map that gives us the options. And it allows people who, when we look at highly sensitive production workloads, it's nice to have the option to say, here's the most optimal price advantage you can gain from optimization. Here's the, what we'll call the safe measure that allows you to maintain um, certain components that might affect performance. And then you also present out a, another option that's valuable to us when it comes to looking at the variability in the burstable um, instances that we can leverage, because we do take advantage of those in some instances as well. So it's nice having a choice rather than just a knock them down one slot. Because we, in the olden days when that used to be all you had, now we have some that require high virtual CPU, but I don't need this much memory. You folks help us map which instance is best for us that has a lower uh, gig set of, uh, commodity of memory for us, but maintains our CPU. Conversely, we have some that have high memory components that don't have such a high vCPU. But the teams don't know that. When they pick it, they usually just select a t-shirt size that's most common to them. So it's nice being able to educate them on, here's what we're going to transition you to. You're going to maintain your performance levels, but we're going to knock down your costs 
15 to 35%. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, having those options that the teams can then choose from, from highest savings to highest performance and everything in between for whatever specific set of metrics that are important for their needs based on utilization patterns, as well as feature projections is where some of the keys to saving right-sizing dollars lies in, in my opinion and, and experience so far. If you just give one option to the individual, that's oftentimes uh, uh, a little bit more uh, challenging to get accepted and, and, and for a lot of good reasons, but giving them a variety of options on what makes the most sense uh, is something that we have found to work work quite well. Mm -hmm. So between right sizing, spot, uh, showback, chargeback, uh, and cost hygiene automation, uh, there is a ton of opportunity in the cloud financial management space. And um, that's been our traditional line of business. That's what we've been doing now for five odd years. We, we love it. Uh, but as a company, we are now looking at the market demand and, and listening to our customers. And, and based on that, we invest, started investing in helping our customers carve out a path to modernization as well. Uh, Monolithic-based architectures uh, were great. Uh, they, they've served a lot of really good, good purposes over the years. Uh, we ourselves here at Cloudwary three odd years ago, uh, when step functions got introduced, where I made a decision to say, we need to seriously consider moving almost entirely into serverless space architecture at our end. And that has been absolutely fantastic for us. Uh, we, we have to not have a whole bunch of manual work around managing assets anymore. Uh, most of our asset management happens through automations and a whole bunch of it just gets delegated to the hyperscalers where uh, if our customers need to have increased demand, we just don't even have to worry about how many Lambda functions, the step functions are being invoked behind the scenes. All of that happens automatically. All that infrastructure, uh, heavy undifferentiated lifting and shifting, uh, we've delegated that to the hyperscalers. Uh, as part of that process from our learnings and our customers, we, we've started looking at how do we help our customers identify which apps to modernize, where is the highest value for their investment dollars, uh, as well as their time and opportunity cost. Uh, Tony, would love your input on how you look at that problem uh, across across hundreds of app and uh, any insights that you can share around there on, on how we maybe uh, been able to work together would be very helpful. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's two sides to that card or that coin, if you will. Um, one is identifying uh, which you've helped us do tremendously across our application work, uh, workloads is that here's the opportunity or the size of the prize, if you will, of if you run serverless, if you actually make this transition. That's a big eye opener when it comes to the dollars, but then it's how do I transition? How do I understand what um, friends of this application are they talking to that might be a, um, an RDS service that's sitting out there that's already running as a service rather than running RDBMS on a physical server itself. Um, so that's one of the things we're trying to understand now is taking the data that you folks have helped us correlate to an application stack and say, great, I can save 80% of the current costs that are primarily running IaaS services, but how do I transition that? We wanna do it with the least amount of effort and code restructuring as possible. That's our goal is we want those high impact, low effort to be done first because they save us the largest amount of money and allow our resources to then start thinking about those that are longer poles in the tent that have to have code modifications done to it. 
perfect, right? So identifying the highest savings with the lowest complexity and the lowest TCO of modernization apps is where we are focusing a ton of our attention on and look forward to collaborating uh, with you, Tony, to, to keep improving that and having higher and higher impact. Yeah. Uh, any any other thoughts, Tony, on, on that the topic that uh, uh, you'd like to maybe share with your peers in the industry? You know, I think um, the, uh, continuing on the optimization route and how we embed innovation within our optimization, you folks are helping us around that from the IaaS standpoint. You know, we have a tremendous amount of web servers that uh, we use today. And in the traditional stack of, you know, I've got a, an app, a database, a web server sitting out there. Um, it'd be interesting to, to, to look at web servers in a component of how do I start looking at, instead of just web servers, but reducing the web server load by using something like a CDN or content delivery network in place of those. That's a set of innovation and technologies that a lot of different vendors are out there providing today. We utilize some of those, but I think it's another aspect we want to take a look at is to say, how do I reduce my six-figure-a-month web server load and start leveraging services like CDN? Absolutely. It's, it's part of our modernization um, analysis. So it does look at, uh, you know, what if you move some things to uh, CloudFront? If you've got a whole bunch of static content that doesn't need to be uh, on a web server, maybe, you know, CloudFront type, type, type of a services is a much better uh, uh, better option from a cost perspective. Right, absolutely. Uh, wonderful. Uh, Tony, anything else you'd like to share from your overall journey, uh, maybe with Cloudvary or, or otherwise uh, with the group? Uh, no, it's, this uh, has been a lot of fun. It, it is fun. Um, again, where I said before, there's no map. We're always discovering every time we get new pieces of data. You know, when we've had to change our, what I'll call our, our cloud financial engine, to Cloudwirey over from the previous vendor, I was astonished at the additional data that we were able to get our hands on and make smarter decisions with. So I continue to look forward to having folks that are more experts in the industry provide us with that data, as well as kind of the, the tool sets and path that allow us to say, here's how I go to the next level and peel that onion back um, and start putting together the protocols for transitioning over to it. We love providing fun, you know, smart financial insights to our customers to make good decisions. So I think it's a match made in heaven. It absolutely is. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Mm -hmm.